this is Danielle from The Jealous Curator, and this is episode 127 of Art for Your Ear. This episode is supported by Saatchi Art, the world's largest curated online gallery offering original art by independent artists from around the world. Pop over to SaatchiArt.com to see their beautiful lineup of both prints and originals. This episode is co-sponsored by Create Magazine as well. This gorgeous art-filled magazine promotes fresh, unique work from around the world. Artists, designers, and makers are welcome to submit to their print issue open calls, or you can send your work in to be featured on their daily blog. Visit create-magazine.com for more info. Okay, so I told Saatchi and Create about today's guest, and we are all freaking out. Unless you've been living under a rock, I am sure you've seen the recently revealed portrait of Michelle Obama. Do you see where I'm going with this? Yeah. I cannot believe it, but today I am talking to Baltimore-based painter Amy Sherald, the woman who was asked by Michelle Obama herself to paint this very important portrait in Amy's very unique style. I have been a fan of hers for years, so I was ridiculously excited when I heard the news about the commission. Amy was going to come on the podcast a few months ago, but needless to say, she was a little bit busy. <laughs> Granted, she's probably even busier now. Anyway, I am going to stop guessing about these details so we can actually have Amy tell us her whole story. Ready? Calling Amy Sherald in Baltimore. Hi, Amy. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good. Can you even take a breath right now? Um, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, given that, thank you safe. so much for doing this. Like, I'm just so excited. And you know, I've been trying to get you for ages, but you've been a little busy. <laughs> yeah, I tend to hide. I, I go into hiding, so... Fair enough. That sounds great, actually. Um, so, you know the big question that we're going to get to eventually, but um, I always really like to, on this podcast, I like to know the story behind the artist and how they got to where they are now. So, I kind of want to know, starting, like, what you were like when you were little. Were you painting and drawing? Did you think you'd be an artist when you grew up? Um, yeah, I kind of knew I wanted to do it, like, second grade. I was always drawing, even if I didn't have to for my class assignments, I would add a drawing to the end of a sentence if it was like vocabulary homework and you know, it's like the bird is in the tree and then I would draw the bird and the tree at the end of the sentence. Um, That's awesome. So yeah, it's, it's always been my thing. Yeah. And so did you, was there ever a hesitation that you would go to art school or you just sort of knew that that's what was going to happen? Yeah, it was hesitation because my parents could, did not share my vision. Ah. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, it's like you want to be an artist, but like, what does that even look like? You know, so and, and at that point, I really didn't know. I just knew it was what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, so I was my goal was to leave high school and go to SCAD in Savannah. Mm, yeah. And um, my mom was like over my dead body. And she. <laughs> And then what did they like, want you to be a doctor? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So my dad um, got me a part time job working at an internal medicine doctor's office, a colleague of his. And so I would go to class at Columbus College in Columbus, Georgia, and then leave class and then go to the office and um, basically shadow him. And I would, you know, eventually like start patients like go in and take temperature blood pressure and like weigh them or whatever uh before they before he would come in oh my gosh and what, um, what were you thinking yeah. were you like oh no yeah I mean I didn't I didn't really want it to do it I mean like actually I enjoyed it actually I enjoyed it but the thought of having to go to school for 10 years yeah. to do it was I, I knew I couldn't do it and my father had a master's degree in biology and um, would tutor me and, you know, I would kind of know everything by the time we were finished. And then I would take the test and I would make like a D plus or a C minus because that just wasn't, I didn't recognize the information. And I guess, you know, there was no such thing as a visual learner in like 1992. So, um, so yeah, I just, yeah, it, it, it's not, it wasn't my proclivity, although I have the bedside manner for it. Yeah, I bet you do. Yeah. I guess you can't really finish those exams and add a little bird and a tree on the side. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't give you any extra points. I get points. draw the hell out of a Krebs cycle, though. 
Um, and so when you were going to college, were you doing general studies then or were you dabbling in art? It was, I probably changed my major a hundred times. I was like, uh, education and, um, with a minor in art history. And then I was like educational psychology. And then I was psychology. I, it was just, it just, it just kept, it kept moving because I, I couldn't, I wasn't happy with what I was doing. Yeah. And so then I finally, um, I had a conversation with this guy. He used to like sell art on the Avenue and the Avenue is just this street that goes through campus. And, um, I was like, you know, I'm like, I'm an artist. And he's like, Oh, what kind of work do you do? And I said, you know, I was right out of high school. So I was like, well, I do Prismacolor and I do this other stuff. And I had this, um, image that I had made on, uh, with Prisma pencil. And we had, there was a competition at the university of Georgia for high school students. And I got an honorable mention. Mm. And so I ran back dorm and I got it and I went to show it to him and he was you know super impressed or at least acting like he was and um he's like are you an art major and I said no I'm not I said my parents want me want me to be a doctor and he said well you know if you don't use this talent you're going to lose it and for some reason in that moment it made me panic and then within like a couple of weeks um I had decided I was going to change my major so the next semester came up and I started taking painting classes that I got. Um, I was already a junior, so I took painting one, I think, and I took one other class, but then after that, I had to, he basically let me make my own curriculum. It was like directed studies because I didn't have a lot of time to, to catch up, so I never got to take all the art classes. I just started making work. Wow, and were you focusing on painting, or were you drawing still, too? It was, it was painting. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And so then how did you feel? Like, did you find, like, you found yourself? Yeah, my GPA went up and everything. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh, good. I can get A's in art history. You know, I, yeah. I can't get A's in psychology. I was like, and psychology interested me in sociology, but it just, you know, I wasn't impassioned. And like now as an adult, and I feel like I'm a little more infinitely curious. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if I was who I was now, then I probably would have gone into something different. But, mm -hmm. um, you know. Yeah, it, you know, it's funny, it, though, it, those things do stick it, in your brain better. You know, when I, I have told this story before, but I I was thinking maybe I would go into education, too, so I was making sure I took enough courses that I could apply to that if I wanted to, so I had to take a Canadian history class, which was shockingly boring, and yeah. it was at 8 a.m. on a Friday morning, so that was even worse, because pub night yeah. was Thursday, so it was terrible, but I was also in a Canadian art history class at the same time, and they were, they ran quite parallel, right, like if there was paintings about a war, because there was a war happening, and yeah. um, the only way I got through that Canadian history class was because I was doing art history at the same time, and that yeah. information stuck in my brain. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what did your parents think when you switched over? Um, they weren't too happy. <laughs> they oh. not too happy. How do they I feel mean, now? <laughs> I mean, essentially, it's, you know, when it comes to parents, at least like in, I feel like in my city, because it's a small city and, you know, my father was a doctor and like all the doctor's kids pretty much did the same thing. Yeah. And so you know, everybody went to college and they, you know, got respectable careers and physician's assistants and, you know, now they're opening up sleep clinics and stuff. And it's like, so what's Amy doing? Like, oh, she's waiting table at the restaurant, you know? So it's like she had no bragging rights. None. Well, she does now. So, well, she now she does. Yeah. So, so it was, I mean, in a way, essentially she was embarrassed. She was already embarrassed because by the time I went to college, I had shaved my head and like got a piercing in my face, you know? <laughs> So, I mean, I was already, I had already traumatized her. And then on top of that, I decided to become an artist after, like she said, I spent all this money on private school and this is what you're going to do with your life. So, oh um, my gosh. so yeah. And you know, that's a pretty common, that's a pretty common story. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I mean, it is a scary thing, right? Like, what does that mean? I'm going to be an artist. Like, and I talked to so many people yeah. and like me too, I ended up going into graphic design because you're like, well, it's creative, but I can get a paycheck and you know. There, there yeah. is all of that. So um, yeah. it's such a common, common story. But good for you for doing your thing. So then you did yeah. your MFA. Right? Yeah, I so I um, graduated and 
I worked for a while with um, Dr. Artur Lindsay and traveled and helped him in installing shows mm. um, in Lima, Peru and in Panama and would spend my summers down there. And kind of, you know, I definitely wasn't the intellectual at 24. Um, I was, you know, a part-time waitress and a part-time bouncer at nightclubs. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. So, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I was just living my life and having fun, like, like every other average 24-year-old that I know or 23-year-old, and then, I, and then you know, you meet the ones that are overachievers, and I'm like, oh, yeah, you're the one my mom wanted, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was, like, smoking Newports and, like, hanging out in nightclubs, you know? Oh, I love but, it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I decided to go to grad school when I was 28, and okay. it was through the experiences that I had working for Arturo that I realized that... Um, that, that painting was something different than what I thought it was. And he was a scholar as well, so he really connected me to the, to the um, academic world of, mm. of art making, if you will, and the mm-hmm. connection between like, research and making art. And so I applied mm-hmm. to Maryland Institute of College of Art and started there in 2002. Wow. And so with the work that you're doing now, um, and that I've always seen of you, did that start during grad school or did that come later? Like, what were no, you doing well, during that time? I was listening to a lot of Sarah McLaughlin and making really <laughs> corny paintings with, like, feathers and stuff. Oh, Sarah, <laughs> a Canadian, woohoo! Um, <laughs> that... I mean, in undergrad, I was painting alien women, and then by the time I got to grad school, they had just moved to, like, the same but not alien, they were me, and I painted myself with no hair because I had shaved my head for that short time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't until five years after that that I kind of came into my my own. And and how did that happen, just painting and painting and painting? No, um, once I graduated, I, um, like, two weeks before my thesis dissertation, that's when I was diagnosed with congestive heart failure. Oh. And um, so that was, like... That was a shock, and then I just had to wrap my head around that. And then a year later, I left to go study with Adnerdrum in Norway. And when I got back, I had to move home to care for my aunt and my great aunt because my mom, my mom called me one day and she was like, "I can't take care of anybody else. I need, you know, your aunt is sick, and and like I need you to come home." So she had cared for my father. He had Parkinson's disease. She had cared for him uh-huh. his whole life. So he practiced dentistry for seven years before he. Um, had to retire. Mm. So uh, so I moved home to be a full-time caregiver to my great aunt. She was 94. Wow. And then she was alive for about a year, some change, and then she died. And then uh, she was actually kind of pissed that I was, like, making her healthier because she was just ready to go. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and then my aunt, my dad's sister, also needed help. And so I stayed to help with her, and then she passed. And then at that point, I was 30, like 34, mm-hmm. and I was just like, I have to get back to my life. And so my mom didn't want me to leave um, just because, you know, she's my mom. And I guess she really enjoyed having me around as an adult. You know, yeah. we got to get to know each other. I got to get to know my brother as an adult, you know. Um, and not just as, like, my little brother. An annoying um, brother, yeah. Because in a way, I mean, like, it was that time when you realized, like, if you weren't my brother, you know, I would probably date one of your friends because we're, like, only two years apart. <laughs> but it's, like, because you're my brother, it's, like, I still look at you and I'm shocked that you have hair underneath your arms. I know. And, and pubic hair, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> like I you're know, a grown-ass my, man. So, my, like, I can't see you that way. I know. My brother's, my little brother is about to turn 40. And he has his own business and whatever. And it's just like, no, you're eight. What are you talking about? It's I know, the weirdest it's so weird. thing. So weird. Um, and so when you were there caring for all these people, were you making art at all or did you kind of take a break? Yeah, it was a forced break. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have time. I just, I just didn't have time to make art. And were you missing it? Or how are you, are you uh, just so overwhelmed with everything else that you just didn't let it into your brain? Yeah, well, caregiving like really satiated a part of me. 
that maybe might live in the same place as painting. I'm not sure, but I I didn't miss it. But I was also, you know, because I had a lot of time to read and I just spent a lot of time with my head in books, like, you know, in between changing diapers and stuff. Mm. And um, so that, I mean, like, I mean, like, if I could go to college forever, I would, you know, now anyway. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, so I was learning a lot and, you know, I, 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 I kind of didn't miss it. Like there were, I was, I, for a short time, I was looking for a studio in Columbus so I could start working, but nothing ever worked out. And um, so I finally, you know, I wasn't able to start painting until after I moved back. Okay, and that was to Baltimore, yeah. And so yeah. is that when, do you think that all of that reading informed the way that you started working? Um, <clears throat> it was more so moving back to Columbus and, 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 and uh, with, with, a, with a way to kind of decode everything and with the vocabulary and mm. just understanding like how I ended up the way that I am. You know, and so I really started to um, think about like what what growing up in a in a city that was you know still relatively segregated. I mean, like I went to a college dance in '92, and like was people were still like inward, inward. You know what I mean? It's like, wow. You know, I was dancing with this white this white boy that I had a crush on that was in my like speech class or something, and his friend was like, "You can't dance with that." you know, whatever. What? So like that, you know, so moving back home to that, um, oh. it just got me really thinking about like who I was and, and the performative parts of who I was and assimilation and, and all those kinds of things. And so, although I thought that I was wasting time, it was really, I wouldn't be making the work that I am making without the, the downtime that I had there. Yeah. And, I'm kind of like think through myself and then start asking these questions and you know the questions that I was asking when I got back you know I knew I couldn't go back to making the work that I was making so I was trying to figure out you know what's my what's what's my DNA like I know I want to paint figuratively but like what am I going to make and so it was a culmination of all those experiences and then you know trips to New York looking at art and just really um trying to figure out like what I could, what, what was going to be my voice and what was going to, um, what was going to like set me apart Yeah. from everyone else. It's like, I didn't want to be derivative. I didn't want to be, um, you know, do something that was being done before. And I wanted to be relevant. You know, I, I was very purposefully thinking about, being a part of art history, even though I kind of, you know, I mean, like, I didn't actually think it was going to happen, but, um, but when I thought about this body of work, like, those were the questions that I was asking myself, and I think that's kind of when I realized that um, if I looked at, at the American art historical narrative or art narrative, um, what, was, what was missing for me are these images of just... Um, black people just being themselves, mm -hmm. you know, any kind of contention or um, not really didactic or, you know, yeah, just there. Like, you know, like the, like an Andy Wyeth painting or, you know, yeah. any, any other. So just to, just to want to live in, in, uh, see work that exists in that, in, in museum spaces that just kind of represent us in a way that is, um, you know, that expresses our humanity. Mm -hmm. Oh, I have goosebumps. Um, did you start painting those as self-portraits or were you painting other people? Uh, other people. Okay. Have, are any of those you or any of the... No. Uh -uh. No. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> and so... Do you, would you go and photograph people? Are they people that you know, or were they strangers? Or how did you, you know, because you've they got were, kids and you men and women, yeah. everybody. They were strangers. I mean, when I figured out, after I rented the movie Big Fish and I figured out like, this is what I wanted to do, because that movie kind of was the, was the impetus for it. And it like just kind of helped me see that these are, this narrative, like I don't, I don't have this kind of narrative. 
I don't have access to this kind of narrative where it's storytelling, it's fantastical, you know. Um, I love that movie. It's my so narrative. Beautiful. Yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah. And so just wanting to create those kinds of reflections um, to expand the notion of, of, of my identity and also at that time the notion of blackness. Mm-hmm. And so, so they were strangers then, the people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how did you... Some of, them, some of them were, some of them aren't, but in the beginning, yeah, they were strangers. Yeah. Wow. And then so, okay, there's three things that I always, like, am, well, maybe four, that I'm totally drawn to in your work that I kind of want to throw out there and see your reaction. So if there's a reason why. So mm-hmm. your beautiful flat background colors. Well, sometimes there's texture back there, but those, mm-hmm. those really beautiful... Um, devoid of detail backgrounds costumes because there's quite a few Uh costumes in there um the fact that they're looking right at us it's like a photo has been taken of them and then um the gray tones for the skin that's a lot of things but yeah go (laughs) like are, are those all conscious choices and let's start with the backgrounds um, the background, what I call the speckling, was something that I discovered in grad school as I was trying to destroy a painting that I didn't like, and I had poured turpentine on it. And um, <clears throat> I laid it flat, left and came back, and part of those textures I saw in that on that canvas. And so um, I just kind of, you know, realized that it was interesting and carried it with me. And when I made my first painting, that was the way that I chose to to deal with the background because I didn't want to place the figure in any, any place, particular place or, or particular time within, within any context. I wanted it to be more like a monologue, you know, like Mm -hmm. a really intimate experience. Um, but you know, a few years passed and I got to this one painting that I felt like it didn't work and maybe it was a pattern on the sweater. I can't remember, but, um, so I decided that I was going to, make the background flat and for some reason I felt like a huge deal like I was nervous about it and I like was calling people like can I do this you know <laughs> I've been making them this way can I make them this way and everybody's like if they're your paintings you know yeah. you do what you want to do were and you I'm afraid like, no. that collectors or like people that knew your work would be like hey what's this change I guess so yeah. I mean like you know I was still uh not young because I was in my 30s but still just kind of like trying to figure out like what the rules are and and I'm the kind of person that likes rules, so I've mm-hmm. given myself these rules. It's like, this is what you do, Amy, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's then, so funny. I know, sometimes yeah. you give yourself these tight rules, and then you're like, wait a minute, I'm the one that set these rules. What am I doing? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so now I, I, it's it's just become what I do, and I'm, I'll be making some larger paintings now for an upcoming show next year, and... Um, we'll be, you know, thinking about that because um, I'm sure it's going to evolve over the course of the next, you know, five to ten years, but yeah. it's a slow process. So mm-hmm. for me, it's a slow process to figure out exactly how I want to make that happen. And we'll, they, um, you know, start to emerge onto landscapes or will they start to emerge on something that's more, um, I don't know, like geometrical or something like mm-hmm. that. I feel like yeah. yeah, it's nice. Like, you have to evolve for yourself. Yeah. You know, otherwise it gets pretty, you get bored. Like, and, and of course, your thoughts are always continuing to develop and new ideas. And, like, oh, I, I cannot wait to see. Um, okay, so costumes, because there's some really good ones. I'm looking at your Skype picture right now of a, uh-huh. um, a jockey with her um, unicorn horse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so where like where did that idea come from um I used to um go to a camp in the summertime and um I was learning jump and hunt um it was like an equestrian camp yeah and that that I don't know it was just connected to that memory so some of them are biographical in the within the you know the narrative and mm-hmm. that that this painting is one of them Oh, it's so lovely. And then some of the people are just in their own, are they in their own clothes or do you decide what everybody's wearing? Um, some people are in their own clothes. Sometimes I shop out of their closet Yeah. and uh, other times I find a costume and then I have to find the model. Yeah. And you photograph everything, right? 
before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, then what was my other thing? Oh, yes, two things. One, that they always seem to be looking right at us, and, um, uh-huh. and, the, and the skin tones. Yeah. Um, they, uh, they are gray, um, or grayscale, yeah. as people have been saying. Um, and in the beginning, that was an aesthetic decision. Uh, I would paint the figure gray to start making the washes, you know, to start um, painting washes of color over top. But uh, I realized that I, I just aesthetically liked it better when they were gray up against all the bright colors. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that it became my thing. And I mean, for me, the words come later, as in it's something I started to do. And then three paintings later, I started to think about what that meant. Yeah. And, um, and that's when I really, you know, was considering like the deconstruction of race and also um, just not wanting to, because painting black people can automatically place uh, political content in your work. Um, I was trying to stay away from that because Mm -hmm. my intent wasn't to be political. My intent was just to create images that could be resting places, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And so, and and then really be presented as universal. Mm Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah. Um, and then what the, 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 uh, the gaze is, yeah. um, so once I um, discovered, you know, a lot of photography from the late 1800s, early 1900s, um, that's when I really saw the kinds of images that, um, connected my history to one of love because after the invention of the camera, like we were able to really become authors of our own narrative and, um, you know, create our own stories and take pictures of ourselves when, you know, before they had been anthropological. Um, and so, um, knowing that, you know, with these anthropological photo images that they would do a front and a side pose. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also knowing that, you know, at one point in time you could be lynched for making eye contact with a person that was white, that, um, you know, I wanted, I wanted them to stand and be present in these paintings. And, um, and I wanted it to be like a kind of, you know, a gentle confrontation because, uh, although they are, they are, um, resting places, if you will, or just, you know, mirrors, reflections, um, they also, there's a subversive message there. And so, you know, you're really forced to think about who they are and what they mean and what they might be mm-hmm. speaking to you about. And the, the mm-hmm. stories are in the eyes. Yeah, it's they like are. The old, you know, the, pho- the photographs I used to look at of my grandmother, like the story was in her eyes. It was like a really simple image, but the story was in her eyes. You know, it's like the, you don't see that same kind of, um, history when you look at contemporary photography as far as like because it's weird it's inundated with images all the time so instagram and all that kind of stuff like there's less of a soul in yeah, that than, yeah than, than what i see when i look at the images yeah oh i have chills again you're killing me yeah. okay um yeah. Wait, hold on one second did you put hot water in there okay well you got to let it cool off first Oh, I think he he burned his nose. <laughs> Sorry. What's going dog, on over there? <laughs> my dog came home. I mean, came back to the studio. He goes hiking, and then I asked my assistant to feed him. Oh. Because <laughs> he comes home. I mean, he comes back and he's hungry. He's been like hiking for. Um. Yeah, he needs more than that. Okay, you have the cutest dog too thanks to Instagram <laughs> I know that yeah <laughs> huh I don't know because he didn't want it he was like this is not what mommy makes uh, <laughs> okay so cute um okay so two big things that prize that you won was that 2016 the portrait competition yeah, yeah. which painting did you 
Did you submit a body of work or did or is that one painting? No, it was one painting. It was Miss Everything. Okay, I was wondering which it was. And so, yeah. did that turn your world upside down when that happened? Yeah, it definitely put me on a on the on a, on the world stage. Yeah, which was like really um, helpful because <laughs> um, you know I'd already been picked up from a gallery. Uh, by a gallery, I mean. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was, everything just kind of happened serendipitously, really. Like, I had, I had a, I had a show before that, like, at a small gallery in Charlottesville that I had, that, you know, I had sold out. And so, you know, I was selling my work, but it's, like, not much you can do without, without a gallery. And yeah. so, you know, I got picked up by the gallery and then won the award and then, Four months later, I had my first solo show in Chicago. So, um, oh my gosh, this is all like fast. Well, I mean, yeah, right. yeah, it, it's been fast. It's been yeah. Fast. Okay, usually, so then it's usually like feast or famine, you know? It's yeah, like, oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you might be in the feast mode at the moment. So, yeah. How did? Because you know, I'm you know I'm coming to this question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you have been talking about this nonstop for ages. And so I apologize, but at the same time, I want to hear all this stuff. So yeah. when you, how did you find out that you'd been asked to paint Michelle Obama's portrait? Um, like, did you know you were in the running or like, how did that all go? Um, they, the National Portrait Gallery had included me in the portfolio that they sent of artists for them to look at. Okay. Um, and you knew so they that? Call, yeah, they, yeah. Yeah. So when they called me, they were like, they said, Michelle wants you to paint her. And I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And then when I went to them, and, but then they're like, okay, they want, you know, they want to meet you. So this, we're going to set up kind of an interview, like a meet and greet. And so I went to the White House oh. and uh, met with, you know, her and Mr. Obama. I like to say Michelle and Barack, but I know, you know. <laughs> I'm like, we've been on a first name basis for eight years, and so it feels really weird to say Mrs. Obama. Yeah. But I always feel like I should. But um, so I'm just, right now I'm going to say Michelle and Barack. Okay. But uh, so we, we met and we spoke, and then as I was leaving, like the White House curator was walking me out, and he was like, we'll let you know we still have some more interviews to do. And I'm like, you have more interviews to do? Like, they didn't tell me I was competing for this. <laughs> and so they had made a short list. So there were five artists. Um, that made the short list out of the 21. I was one of them. And then I found out in September that, um, that she had chosen me. Oh my God. And so, okay. First of all, when you met them, yeah. were like, what were you freaking out? Were you like ridiculously calm? Like how, what, what was it like? Um, I tend to be ridiculously calm in situations where I shouldn't. So <laughs> I <laughs> I was in the middle of a deadline. I was painting, and I was like, okay. I was really distracted for about two hours, and I couldn't tell anybody, which yeah. is the worst part about it. Um, and so I just kind of had to sit there and, like, talk to my dog for a little bit. <laughs> I'm like, so you know, guess what? Your mom's going to do. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and then, and then I had to get back to work because it's, I mean, like, and life has to continue happening. But, right. I, you know. I really tried to stay focused and grounded so that I could be a professional and and not get really creepy when I was around her. Because <laughs> everybody tends to get creepy when they're around her. Oh. My sister met her. I mean, you know, afterwards we're talking about it, it's like, did you feel her skin? You know what I mean? It's like really creepy. It's like, like, no, did you? Her hair was in my face when she hugged me, you know? <laughs> it's kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, I can't. I mean, you and I have never met. I wrote about you ages ago. And so whenever I write about people, I have this weird ownership. Like I feel like I've met you even though I haven't. Yeah. And we've emailed back and forth about other things. And um, and so when I heard this news, I w- it was like an old friend had gotten this thing. And I'm like, I actually haven't ever met her. So that's kind of creepy and weird too. But I was so excited for you. And knowing your style, I just could not wait to see. And... Um, Anyway, yeah, I just so happy for you. And then so you find out that you're picked. Yeah. Mind blown. Yep. And then so you, you went and actually photographed her, right, to figure out the pose and what mm-hmm. you were going to do? Yeah, after that, um, I worked with her stylist to pick out 
some dresses. So we just communicated about what I wanted, and then she sent me um, <clears throat> like ten or eleven dresses to look at, and then I picked out four, and then I and then uh, we narrowed it down to two, and then I ended up photographing her in the Millie dress. Okay. Because once she once I had two made, but once she walked out in that, I'm like that's the one. <laughs> I didn't I didn't even want to look at the one that had like more of a floral print on it. Okay. Um, because I really like the fact that the the print has the qualities of a quilt, but then also looks like a painting as well. You know, yeah. it's it stood along. Well, I was going to ask that because a lot of people, like I was following along. I mean, I can't even imagine what you thought of all of the insane social media around that. We'll get to that. Yeah. But um, yeah. there was a lot of G's Bend quilt references. Was that in your mind or was that, are those people just putting that on it? No, 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 no. I mean, I, I, I said that. I oh, gave okay. them, I gave them like oh okay okay <laughs> I said it during this during my speech in the unveiling oh, okay. um, because it was a way to connect her to us you know yeah. um but and I love those quilts and it just reminded it just reminded me of that like it reminded me of everything everyone was talking about which was the um you know the coding yeah the coding patterns and the quilts for the underground railroad and all of that um mm. but then also you know, like Piet Mondrian or any other painter from yeah. that time. So it, so yeah, I, it, yeah, it, it, it just moved me. That dress just moved yeah, me. Yeah, it's and it's just so striking against that background. And and so, how long were you there photographing her? Did you get that uh, shot early on, or no, about an hour. Yeah. Yeah, I had an hour both times, about an hour and a half both And times. was she sitting in all of them, or was she standing and then over here and by the I room? did some standing, sitting, you know, I tried every way, but the dress was more powerful when I was able to, to like, you know, spread it around her. Right. And I um, love her arms. I love the position that her arms are in. Yeah, she has very long arms and mm. long hands. I mean, I do too. It's like my arms are longer than I am tall. <laughs> And such smooth skin, too. Did you feel it? Did you feel it? Yeah, it was so soft. Yeah. And so was, were you, when you got that shot, did you think, there we go? And then did you show yeah, her, did, like, did, did you show her in the moment? Um, I didn't show, did I? I think I might have, like, yeah, I think I might have shown her a couple. Um, and I knew, I don't think I showed her that one. I did send it to her later on mm -hmm. because I wanted to reshoot one more time because in the photograph the um uh, it was um her neck was dark in the photograph mm -hmm. and and I was like a little worried I'm like maybe I shouldn't have her leaning on her hand so I rephotographed her again a second time and then I decided that I wanted to go with the first image because it was just stronger mm -hmm. Her presence was stronger in the first image. Mm -hmm. yeah. it, it's, I just think it's so beautiful. And so did you, okay, so now you've got photo. Now you've got your plan. You're working on this. Yeah. Did you share any of the steps with her as you were going, or did she just see it when it was done? Um, she saw it when she was done. Okay. I mean, she knew what image, she yeah. knew which, obviously she knows what, what she's going to wear. And yeah. she knows what, you know. Yeah, yeah, and um, she knows your style, so she, yeah. yeah. And so were you, again, ridiculously calm while you were working on it, or were you, like, you know, now that it's over, the pressure, yeah. like, what? Do, were you freaking out, or were you like, no, I just have to do what I do? Yeah, I just have to do what I do. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't think about the criticism that I knew was going to come after as well. Yeah. You know what well, I mean? that's it's the like, thing. Like, there's no getting out of it. It doesn't matter. Like, mm -hmm. You'll never make a painting that everyone in the world is just like, yes, slow golf yeah. clap. That's that's the one. Unless um, it looks just like a photograph. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And oh, was, no. Well, and know, I love but, what you said. Um, I saw your a live interview with you right after the ceremony, and you were saying that, um, and I love this too, that when you look at the portrait gallery, you know, that there was this break in American politics when they came in and that there's this visual break in the portrait gallery when you see these two that you guys have done. And that's so true and so powerful and goosebumps again. Um, and yeah, like, I don't even know what the point, I'm just gushing, but I just, yeah. I thought that that was so um, true and important. And I think that's what's yeah. so cool about them, you know, is that they don't look like everything else. 
Yeah. The end. The poetry okay. doesn't have to rhyme all the time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's very true. <laughs> um, and so, okay, now I'm going to ask you about the criticism. Were you able to just listen? Like, when I, as a kid, if I got all A's and one B, I'd be obsessed about why I got the B instead of enjoying all the A's. So, yeah, did, were, you a, were you like that too? <laughs> My dad. I need to like watch Tony Robbins. I'm like, I need to watch some Tony Robbins. So, like, I can like <laughs> shake this off because it was kind of ridiculous. Like, I mean, but it's you know, like it's a good thing because everybody was talking about art. People who wouldn't normally never talk about art, and I was receiving letters from young people who were in elementary school, junior high school, high school that never had any interest in art that were really engaging in art. Yeah, and you know, um, teachers have been teaching with my paintings for a couple of years now. And so they were really engaged when they were like, oh, we learned about you in art class and now you're painting Michelle. Yeah. So. See, so, that ownership where they but, feel like, yeah, you feel connected. Yeah. Yeah. But, um. So did Tony, yeah, Tony did, well, did Tony help you through? Or were you able to, were you able to shut out the negative and just enjoy the positive? Or like, how did you feel like in the I days after? I was able after? to shut it out after like, 36 hours I think I think like no matter what you know um you think you, you think it's not gonna affect you but then but then it happens and you're like really you know yeah. like you're gonna take time to go to my website and send me this message you know yeah. do you not um, have better things to do with your day you don't have better things to do you know so I got all kinds of emails I got some, I got, I got definitely, if I received 150 emails in one day, like there would be six or seven of them that were just like, I hate it, you know, (laughs) I don't understand it, it doesn't look like her, and I'm like, don't shoot the messenger, Yeah. (laughs) I mean, talk to your girl, she knew what she was doing. Exactly, I know, and I, I yeah, what? Well, no, I was just going to say, I felt like, I mean, generally, I, I thought that the response was hugely positive, but then, you yeah. know, there were the negative things, and I felt so defensive of you, like, I, especially because I posted about it, and so I I felt like a mama bear, I was just like, yeah. you know, and they're like, why is she gray, Michelle's not gray, and it's like, oh my god, pull your head out of your ass for five minutes, and like, do a little, <laughs> like, research, you know, I just, I mean, even if a lot of people did the research, and they still didn't want her to be gray, you know? <laughs> It, it just is what it is. Well, Michelle wanted you know? to be gray, so let's trust yeah. Let's trust this woman that we all think is amazing. And I was watching your Instagram. You went from 15K to, like, 115K in days. Yeah, really, like, 24 hours. It was yeah. kind of crazy. It was yeah. crazy. And, I mean, I mean, I'm not surprised. It was on the world stage. It was everywhere. Um, I guess you turned notifications off. <laughs> I did. I bing, did. bing, 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 bing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And oh my gosh, speaking of Instagram, that little girl, yes, Parker, oh my, like you could not have staged that better. Like that was, that yeah. will go down, that will be in history books. Yeah, she's sweet. I I haven't met her yet. I'm going to meet her next week. Oh good. Yeah, because I saw that Michelle met her and I thought, oh, I wonder if Amy's going to meet her. Yeah, we're oh. going to meet up. You should paint her. <gasps> okay, I'll stop. Everybody's saying. I've never painted a child that small, though. I don't know. Yeah, I no. I paint several. <laughs> what, what's the youngest? You've, like, around 10 or 11? You've painted, like, you've painted, like, an 11-year-old-ish kind of kid, girl? Yeah, Morgan was, yeah, 10. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, I know you're running out of time here. So, um, okay, well, what the heck is next for you? You said you were working on a big show. But, like, how do you come off yeah, of this? Yeah, I... And work? Well, I mean, you know, when something huge like this happens, and, like, you know, people have these, these like, dreams that they're hoping for. It's like, this has to be one of them. So now what do you do? Like, are you... Um, you just keep keep on keeping on, I guess. But what, do you... You've got shows lined up, or what's going on next? Yeah, I have uh, a show at Contemporary Art Museum St. Louis coming up that opens May 11th. Okay. And then I have my first uh, New York exhibition with um, Hauser and Work in okay. February 2019. But I'm, I might, I'm trying to push it back deeper into 2019 because I really need a break. So <laughs> yeah, we'll I see. But, so. but yeah. Oh, and they that, have, I a sh- have a. Huh? Sorry, go ahead. And then I 
So now I have a retrospective at the Baltimore Museum in 2020. Wow. Oh, my gosh. We have to fit sleeping in there somewhere. Oh, my goodness, yeah. <laughs> no, I can't wait till May, because May I'm going to, like, go somewhere for a week. It'll oh, be... good. Do you know where yet? Have you got, like, are you fantasizing yeah. about it yet? Yeah. No, I just want it to be warm and yeah. beautiful and have access to lots of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a really, really good plan. Um, <laughs> I can actually hear birds chirping where you are. That's promising. Yeah, that is Alexa. Oh. <laughs> you say, Alexa, make bird sounds. Oh, so it's and not real birds? Yeah, that's my background. Oh. oh, I was so hopeful for a second. It snowed here again yesterday. And so hearing birds, I was like, oh, that's exciting. But okay, thanks, Alexa. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so then the only thing I have left is the not-so-speedy speed round because I'm not very good at speed questions because I always have follow-up. So I'm just going to do this, and then I will let you go back to your crazy life. Okay. Coffee or tea? Tea. Ah, okay. I'm a coffee girl, with but... Cream. With cream. <laughs> oh, with cream. Shaking yeah. it up. Uh, okay, well, I want to know what kind of alcoholic beverage, then, are you going to be drinking wherever you end up in May? Oh, I think I'm a margarita girl. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not a margarita girl, I'm a martini girl. <laughs> Maybe one in each hand. Yeah. You deserve it. Um, okay. Best or worst, that's usually funnier, uh, summer job you've ever had as a teenager. Best summer, wor- yeah, best, no, or worst, worst summer job. whatever. Worst yeah. summer job. As a teenager? Yeah, or whenever. Yeah. Usually summer jobs are high school, university. Uh, I would say. Just working in retail. I used to work at a store called the Merry-Go-Round. <laughs> Back when cross colors were a yeah. thing, cross color jeans. Yeah. And I've never really been good at any any job besides maybe waiting tables and like painting. But um, <laughs> I got fired from that job. But it was just the worst. It was just I don't know. Like I would hate coming to work. I would hate folding clothes. I didn't know how to fold clothes right. Which is completely disinterested the whole time and would like try to sneak away into the bathroom and take naps oh, oh my god that's so funny you and I are the same age I think we're both bo- we're born in the same year yeah 73 73 yeah so I know I was thinking yeah the cross colors okay um that's a pretty bad job I worked at Dixie Lee Chicken also a very bad oh. job yeah. yeah no good um okay <laughs> I don't know why I want to yeah. ask you this maybe Oh. I did have another job that was kind of bad. It wasn't bad, though, but I used to unload trucks at the container store. Really? And I used to be to work at 4.30 in the morning, and we unload from, like, 4.30 to 8.30. Ooh. And, yeah, that was oh, the worst job. Again, I'm just bad at doing anything that has to do with organizing <laughs> retail. So we had to unload and then put stuff on shelves, and, uh, yeah. Maybe if, you're, was, if you don't crazy. want to be an organized container store, not a good place to be. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but you were a bouncer. Let's talk about that. Okay, what? That was fun. Did you did you bounce people out? Yeah, yeah. I was a bouncer for the for for the, the ladies. Yeah. Um so depending on the night, you know, would be issues or non issue. Yeah. Um, but at one point I was bouncer at this club called Paradox is closed now in Buckhead. And this is like the last night that I worked because I realized that this wasn't worth the 150 bucks that I was making. Um, It was like a big party there. And like that night they had hired extra security. And so there were two extra big guys out there. And um, a fight started inside of the club and it spilled outside of the club. And it was like three or four guys. And so I ended up grabbing a guy and the other two guys grab the guy and I only have like you know I've I um I've boxed and like you know done grappling and stuff like that so like I had a little bit of experience but like you know I'm I'm and I'm and I'm tall yeah I was gonna say how tall are you you're quite tall 510 I was a little more muscular then so like you kind of didn't know what you were gonna get it's like either you could risk it and I could kick your ass (laughs) or you could risk it and then you could kick my ass but like did you want to did you want to go there you know right so um, I had this guy in like a half Nelson, you know, with my fingers behind his neck and like I had my 
one leg in between his legs so he couldn't drop out of it. And I'm just like, this is not, this is not good. You know, like I could die. This guy could kick my butt right now. And so we ended up getting him out of the club. But that night, and I broke a nail. It's like back in where Philly. And I was like, you know what? I think this this might not be for me anymore. And I've been doing it for like three years. But um, that was my last night as a bouncer. Oh my god! Did you? Was your head shaved still then? Uh, by that time I started locks. Okay. Oh my gosh, yeah. that is crazy. And if you're only getting 150 bucks, you're going to have to spend that all on getting your nails fixed. I know. Right? That doesn't make sense at all. Oh, my God. That is hilarious. Well, I do not have any bouncer stories. I wish I did, because that's super cool. (laughs) Um, Okay, and then my son always likes to throw in a would you rather. And I think this is inspired by that that piece of the, um, with the unicorn. Would you rather be a mermaid or a unicorn? I would rather be... Huh. I think I'd rather be a unicorn. Yeah, because you don't want to live underwater? No, I don't want to live underwater. I want legs. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's what I was thinking. I like to think these through before I ask them. I was like, I don't think I could live in the ocean the whole time. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Well, that's it. <laughs> I did okay, not think cool. that's how that interview would end. Bouncer stories and unicorns, but that's how this <laughs> podcast rolls, so you never really know. <laughs> Amy, thank you so much. I know you're so busy, and I can't even believe that you agreed to do this. People are going to be so excited to hear your story. And um, keep in touch, and good luck, and enjoy that break in May. I will. Thank you. I'll send you some pictures. Okay, and I'll be watching (laughs) on Instagram. Thank you so much, and I will talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Oh, my word, that was amazing. From bouncer to official Flotus portrait artist? Yeah, (laughs) I could recount everything that I loved about that interview, but then I would just have to replay the entire episode. I already loved Amy's work, but to hear the whole story that brought her to this very exciting point in her career, yeah, you guessed it, more goosebumps. Thank you so much to Amy for taking time out of her insanely busy life to talk to me. And I'm very happy that her little dog got fed in the middle of it too. (laughs) Thank you to Saatchi Art and Create Magazine for supporting this episode. And as always, big thanks to you for listening. There will be more art for your ear next weekend. See you then.